Hello, my name is Reverend Casey Carbone, and you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church at Mayopac. We are currently worshiping on Sundays at 10 a.m., both on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. We hope that this message provides you with a source of encouragement and allows you to grow more deeply in your faith as we all continue to seek to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Friends, our scripture lesson this morning kicks off our series of starting to look at the uh, Ten Commandments. So really, I guess a 10-week series looking at the Ten Commandments. And today we will be starting to look at the prologue and the first commandment. And to help lead us in the reading for this morning that comes from the book of Exodus, uh, we have Kevin uh, Byrne who will be leading us in this reading. So let us listen now to God's holy word. Today's scripture lesson is from Exodus 20, verses 2 through 6. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the inequity of parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Almighty God, as we reflect this morning upon your word, a word that has been passed down throughout the ages. May our hearts, O oh God, this day be reminded of the ways in which you are moving in the world and the ways in which you call us to move as well, to be your hands and your feet, to bring places, to bring justice to the places where justice has been denied, to bring love to places that have not been loved, to bring healing to the places that are hurting, and to bring reconciliation to the places in our world and our hearts that are broken. God, we ask that your spirit illumine us and encourage us in this work, knowing that we do so together with one another and not alone. So bless the meditation of our hearts and our minds and our words this morning, O oh God. We pray this in your most holy name. Amen. So this morning, like I said, we start our series of looking at the Ten Commandments by reflecting on the prologue and the first commandment. If I throw out just the words Ten Commandments, I wonder what comes to mind for you. The first thing that comes to the top of your head, depending, I guess, on when you grew up when you're I'm not going to say age but <laughs> depending on when you grew up you might think of the Ten Commandments as being those stones you would sometimes see outside of courthouses or depending on really anyone regardless of when you grew up or what your age was you might think of the Ten Commandments as a series of laws that function as these things that bind us or constrict us that say what we can and cannot do. That's not an entirely wrong way 
or an entirely inaccurate way to think about the Ten Commandments. But if that's the only way we can think about them, if that's the only way we can interpret them, then I think we are missing out on a much more vibrant message, a message of what it means to live in a covenant relationship with God and with one another. As we go through this series, I think we'll learn that living in a covenant relationship requires a certain level of commitment. It requires commitment that will stretch us, that will challenge us, and it requires sacrifice. It will challenge us to question the value of the things we hold on to, the things that we don't want to offer up to God with hands closed tight, and will show us the endless possibilities of God's kingdom, as I said last week, if we learn to trust and lean hard into the life-giving works of our calling as God's hands and feet. So we hear this morning the prologue and the first commandment as they set the stage really for our exploration into embracing the Ten Commandments as a way of life, more than just a, a series of laws. But as a way of life, what does it mean for us to live out the Ten Commandments in a covenant relationship? We don't often talk about relationships using that kind of language. It's almost archaic sounding. So how do we think about living in a covenant relationship? Now, there's a piece of fictional or fantasy literature out there that you may or may not know, and I may be showing my cards on this one, but I thought it might give a different context for what it takes to enter into and maintain a covenantal relationship. So let me just read a passage of this fictional piece of literature, and, and if you know what it is, don't, you don't have to react. <laughs> it might just embarrass me. But it, it goes like this, where it says, Night gathers, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall take no wife, hold no lands, father no children. I shall wear no crowns and win no glory. I shall live and die at my post. I am the sword in the darkness. I am the watcher on the walls. I am the fire that burns against the cold, the light that brings the dawn, the horn that wakes the sleepers, the shield that guards the realms of men. I pledge my life and honor to the night's watch for this night and all nights to come. Now, if you are culturally um, up with what's going on, <laughs> you might recognize this as the oath of the night's watch from J.A.R.R. Martin's uh, fictional series, A Game of Thrones. Now, although the night watch is fictional, of course, I think this passage of the oath that the Night's Watch gives is a good example of what it means to have a bond that is sealed in such a covenant relationship. Because the members of the Night's Watch, as you heard, commit themselves to living a certain way. They commit themselves to living in a community and acting in a certain way that ultimately impacts how they see themselves in relationship to one another and the world around them. Of course, the Ten Commandments don't 
ask such things as us as we consider what it means to enter into a covenant relationship with God. But we are told that God expects certain things of us. And asked, we are asked if we are willing and ready to make such a sacrifice that is radically life-changing. In the prologue, we hear, I am the Lord your God. In the first commandment, we hear, you shall have no other gods before me. These set the stage, as I said, for our striving to embrace these commandments as a way for us to live in our daily lives. God sets the backdrop of the four to ten commandments from the very beginning in the prologue where he reminds the people and us today the ways in which God has been with us from the start. And that this desire for a relationship between God and the people of God didn't just come out of thin air. This yearning for connection was present since the dawn of creation. In the prologue of the Ten Commandments, we find that God lays out the ways in which God has remained faithful. Which is great. We get to see the ways in which God has been faithful. But the part that should be a little more concerning for us is that subtle question in the prologue which asks whether or not we have been committed the same way that God has been committed to us. Whether it be in the words that we have spoken, the ways in which we have acted, the ways in which we have treated one another. I hope by now you begin to see the ways that the Ten Commandments are much more than just a list of moralistic laws. Because the Ten Commandments are a summons to live a life that is grounded in the love and the life-giving way of God. Part of what it means for us to live a life grounded in such love involves, of course, following God. The first commandment states, you shall have no other gods before me. What does it mean, though, when God says, you shall have no other gods before me? Is God talking about other deities or other forces that be? Or is there something else that God could be alluding to in this first commandment? At the heart of the first commandment, I believe we uncover the peace that is essential for our daily lives. Martin Luther knew this. Martin Luther, who is often known as a seminal figure in the Protestant Reformation, as he writes this in his larger catechism, that to have a God is nothing else than to trust and believe in that one with your whole heart. To have a God, as you can well imagine, does not mean to grasp him with your fingers or put him into a purse or shut it in a box. Rather, you lay hold of God when your heart grasps to God and clings to the Lord. So where is it? Where is it that we put our trust because where we place our trust is vital to what it means to live out these words of the first commandment in our daily lives. To follow a God means that there is something in our lives that we are willing to place our complete trust and faith. So do we commit our faith in the Lord? Or do we find that there is something else that is a little more tempting 
leading us away from the life-giving promises of God. That is what we need to check at this moment. As we talked also a little bit about last week, about the ways in which we claim to follow God, but we sow seeds that aren't life-giving. We need to check where our hearts are placing their trust because it isn't enough to say that the Lord is our God. We have to live that truth out daily in our lives from the bottom of our entire selves. Because if we aren't careful, it's, it's easy for us to replace bit by bit the commitment we have made to God with something else. We see this throughout scripture, people relying on other powers that ultimately lead to nothing but death and destruction. The prophet Hosea is such one example as he called out the people of God who went astray. Instead of living in a covenant relationship that they had with God and with one another, they instead did something else. They decided to place their trust in things like corrupt kings and their wealth, their material goods, over the lives of the people who lived in their kingdom. They decided to place their trust in military power. Instead of following God who alone showed them the way of life, the people had placed their trust in gods who could only bring death and suffering and injustice. The temptation of those who have come before us is not a problem that's exclusive to them. I think it's fair to say we can look around and see the ways in which we've fallen for the same temptation. The way that we treat one another. The way that we place wealth over other people's lives. It's not enough to say that we follow God that God alone is our God. Because it's something, like I said, that has to be lived out from the very bottom of our hearts. Our lives need to reflect that truth. Because if we aren't modeling the love of God, the justice of God, or the compassion of God, then we haven't lived up to the expectations placed on us by the first commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. These words of God in the form of the prologue and first commandments are just the beginning of our study of the Ten Commandments. And as we reflect this week on where we put our trust and what alone has our trust, May the words of the first commandment inspire us to grow in love, to grow in the love, the justice, and the mercy of God. The first commandment is not a condemnation, but it is a warning, a warning of what happens when we place our trust in things that we know will lead to destruction. Living in such a covenantal relationship isn't easy. The sacrifices it requires at points seems unbearable, but the reason we continue on is that we know God is walking alongside with us. 
So let us take to heart the first commandment, which asks us to place our trust in God, not only for the well-being of our own souls, but the well-being of one another as well. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.